Welcome to System Mastery, the only podcast to be a partially owned subsidiary of Cheese Dudes. Cheese Dudes. It's a little wild and a little strange when you fry your cheese out on the range. Every week on System Mastery, Jeff, who I am, and John, who I am... not, examine an ancient tome of eldritch lore and arcane rules to bring to you, the listener, a timely report on if the volume is any good or if instead it should be bound in human skin and hidden in a 10 by 10 foot room with an orc. This week, we discuss Fifth Age, a game where a genius premise goes cruelly unremarked upon by the book's very authors. All that and more on today's System Mastery. All I'm saying is that dwarves don't need to be Scottish. No, no, they really don't. I don't know why we've decided that just because, like, one game said that the dwarves were Scottish, now everyone is on board with that. I know, and it's always Scottish dwarves and everything. I I feel like it might be starting to come down from that, because now everyone's got that popular conception of dwarves based on The Hobbit. Yeah, where at least then it was just, now we have the idea that dwarves are hot guys instead of (laughs) being... Scottish. Dwarves are hot, and if you have 14 of them, five of them will have lines. <laughs> which is which is how they fixed that movie. Yeah. They were just like, uh, you know what, Bomber, uh, Bofer, Bofer, you guys don't need to talk. Also, Dory, Nori, I don't know, some of them, I, I, I was never able to tell them apart. I think most of them get one line. I think Bomber famously gets no lines. Yeah. He's the huge fat one. Yeah. And he's visually recognizable because he's a huge fat one. You can be like, that's the fat one. And then you'll be like, that's the guy with the hat. Oh, wait, there's a guy who has an axe in his head, and he also doesn't get any lines. Oh, good for him. You remember that? Like, in the movie, you don't even notice it the first time. It's You get to watch it again, and then you're like, wait a minute, one of them has an axe blade stuck in his head. Huh. Yeah, all the way through, all three movies, he's wandering around in the background. Huh. And it's the reason for why he never talks, is because it broke his talking. Yeah, his talk button. Yeah, it, he has an axe button, st- axe stuck in his talk button. Yeah. Well, anyway, all I'm trying to say is, it's about time that we, we take back dwarves and turn them into something better. We need a new stereotype. Yeah, I mean, we can do better than just Scottish. Come on now. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and make a recommendation, if I may. And you may. Okay. I think dwarves should be stereotypical Italian-Americans. That sounds about right. Yeah. I can imagine, like, an underground city with just, like, lines of laundry going between. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, a whole bunch of dwarves hurriedly rushing to get to uh, early morning mass so they can still catch the game. Yeah. Yeah. Just bumping a new guy. Hey, I'm mining it! Yeah, with spikes all over their wife beater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that that sounds exactly right. Right, it's, it's a great idea. Just have him walking around going, Hey, yeah, we'll go get some rat on a stick at 51st. Best of the caves. <laughs> Come on! You know, Ricky, this town ain't what it used to be since the troglodytes moved in. I don't want to sound racist. Some of my best friends are troglodytes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I think that is what all dwarves should be from this point forward. I think we should see a dwarf remake of Goodfellas. Yeah. I think we should see a dwarf godfather. Yeah. And also in the dwarf remake of Goodfellas, you should have Joe Pesci, but at no change. Oh, yeah. Not even like a digital height alteration or anything. He's just slightly taller than the actual dwarves in the movie, but he's just one of them. He's yeah. just still Pesci. It's just dwarves and Pesci. Yeah. I think the same way in my uh, dwarves and one elf remake of Casino. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> that I'm pushing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that sounds good. Yeah, why not? Anyway, the reason that we are yammering on and on about dwarves today is because they are in our podcast. And, of course, today's game is Fifth Cycle? Fifth the Age? Fifth, the Fifth Cycle. The Fifth Cycle, in which yeah. you play during the Fifth Age. Yeah, during the Fifth Age of Cycling. Yeah. Yeah, during the First Age of Cycling, they only had unicycles. That's yeah. why it was the First Age yeah. of Cycling. And then they got those bikes with one huge wheel in the front and one tiny wheel in the back. And you can only ride them while wearing, like, a singlet? Yeah, the penny-farthing cycle. That's the one, yeah. Or maybe they had that one that was, like, just a, a wooden bench that you pushed around. Like, it was basically a scooter that you sat on. That was the one between... What, you mean the shittiest part of a merry-go-round where it's just the bench that doesn't do anything? <laughs> That's not the shittiest part. That's the adult parent part. The bored parent who just wants to watch their kid go up and down on a dumb horse. The shittiest part of the merry-go-round is the horse that doesn't move. No, that's the most disappointing part. Because at least with the bench, you know it's not going anywhere. But when you get on that horse and you're like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go up and down on this bitch," and then it just sits there and you're like, "Oh, no, no. <laughs> it's too late to get off." 
the the ride's in motion. Yeah, you can't just like jump off that son of a bitch and then go find like the cool tiger one. I can't. You know, I, it took me forever to realize as a kid that you could just get off the stupid horse and walk around on that thing. And that you wouldn't be flung to your death. It's basically just a rotating mall that you can be on briefly. And you're right. The best thing to do is to go get on the best part of any given merry-go-round, which is the animal that isn't a horse. Yeah, you go find yourself a bear with a fish in its mouth. Like, yeah. That is that is where it's at. Yeah, or a tiger or a griffin. Or, in my imaginary best idea for a merry-go-round ever, a dude that you sit on. Yeah. like 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 Just a dude. Like, he's in horse position, and you just get on his back and ride him like a horse. Yeah. And, you know, you get on him, and he says, Jump on my filthy back! <laughs> Now he's talking? Yeah, now he's talking. You're taking over my crazy idea for a human... Also, it's actually just a guy. It's just a guy. <laughs> but he also moves up and down in time yeah, for the just, ride. Oh, 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 just oh. doing squats. Yeah. <laughs> and again, this isn't a gay thing. He's fully dressed. Yeah, no. He's just like, yeah, it is a good workout. Get on my back, use. <laughs> oh, great. Now he's a dwarf. And he also, he is a dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> hey, come on. I'm circling slowly here. <laughs> Oh my god. Hey, okay. Guess, guess what we don't want to talk about? <laughs> so, fifth cycle. There were many cycles before it, and this is the fifth. Well, why don't we run through the cycles? Because the cycles are actually very important in this game. Okay, so it says that each cycle takes about 2,000 years in the setting. Mm-hmm. Which, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and start out. I do like that the first thing they do is give you a background on the cycles. Just a very brief overview of the history. Then it goes into you, your character creation, and later on it goes into the actual setting. That setup is wonderful for me, mm-hmm. because it means you have some idea of what you're getting into, because anytime you have an RPG that's not a licensed property, mm-hmm. and you just pick it up, you're like, what the fuck is this all about? It gives you a good basis of what am I getting into. Mm-hmm. So the first cycle was basically Stone Age, everyone's an idiot. Yeah, and... everyone's a big dumb caveman. Yeah. Uh, I can't get too invested, because I'm picturing that dwarf now as the union rep for the dwarves <laughs> that work on merry-go-rounds. <laughs> Like attending union meetings. Yeah. Merry-go-round anyway. merry local 137. That's yeah. all dwarves. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah. First cycle, there's no real civilization. Uh, the people just sort of are tribal walking around. Oh, yeah. They mostly, hunter-gatherer. They mostly mosey about if they aren't milling around. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, yeah. mostly mosey. Mostly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the first the first cycle is just crap cavemen. And then the second cycle is, oh my gosh, some of us figured out magic. And because magic is magic, it creates civilization. Mm-hmm. Like, we start to actually, I don't know, build houses and stuff because people are like, hey man, I can magic up like walls for you, so go for it. So here they are. Here are some walls, they yeah. say. <laughs> and then, uh, so second civilization, or second cycle is almost like a utopia cuz it's you know everyone's having a good time and oh yeah it's it's the building up of society yes yeah, so it's it's societal development it's the mesopotamian period yeah we get that 2000 years where we go from not staying in one place to staying in one place and building up like i don't know kingdoms and agriculture and shit like that yeah and the mosey has given way to the uh, shimmy yeah there's a lot of shimmying about happening during the second age indeed now during the third age the third age is when the wizards are like, oh wait, we're wizards. Why are we, why are we being nice and building society when we instead can make monsters and live in castles and grow long beards? Yeah. With they, a bird in them. They were like, hey man, you know what's great? Having magic. You know what sucks? Taking orders from people. Fuck everyone. I'm in charge now. Right. So the third age is like the tyrant magic era. And it's when all the sub races were developed. And this, this is, this is your standard, uh, era of wonders where all of the greatest artifacts of the age are made because magic is emphasized and if you aren't a mage you're a second class citizen and so on it's basically when atlantis happened although in this book it's made pretty clear near the end of the book that atlantis was a whale (laughs) anyway yeah there's uh, (laughs) a that it's in there yeah. yeah can't go wrong with that so yeah uh tyrant wizards start building up monsters and taking over and they build two types of monsters. Because in the beginning, it's all humans in this book. It's yeah, it's 100% human. Yeah, just humans. And then during the Third Age, some wizards are like, well, I would like to be better than human. Or I would like to raise cool-looking humans. Yeah, I want to go to war with some other wizard. But I don't want to just bring humans. That's so last cycle. Yeah. But before they do that, before they start making their war races, they build their sub-races. And that's what you get your dwarf, your elf, your huerlinga. Which is Ugh. a hobbit. It's just a hobbit. They it's call, just a hobbit. They call it a werelinga. There's only one picture of them in the whole book. And you don't know that werelinga are hobbits until near the end of the book when you're flipping through the monster manual section because it doesn't describe them at all. 
you, all you get out of them is that they are good with thrown weapons, and you're like, oh, they're probably hobbits. <laughs> probably hobbits. Probably, yeah, probably hobbits. That's that's the name of my cat. Yeah, probably hobbits. Mister Probably Hobbits. <laughs> good. Yeah, it's a good cat. Yeah, good cat. Uh, anyway, the uh, so yeah, there's Werlinga, and then there's Glinna. The Glinna are bird people. Not in that they look like birds, but that they have wings they're and angels. like hollow bones, so they can fly. Yeah, they're 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 slight humans with cool wings. Yep, there you go. And there you go. Those are the races. You can play as those various races, and we'll tell you how shortly. Uh, and then the wizards were like, "Well, these are fun and all, but none of these are really good. So we'll make some military races." And that's actually what they call the next block of races that are military-powered races. And these are. Uh, basically Spider-Man villains, because you got a dog one and a vulture one. A lizard man. Lizard one, yeah, and, uh, a, a cat one. And an octopus one. Yeah. And a rhino. And then one of them that's just a black costume version of Spider-Man with a long, weird yeah. tongue. You've got, yeah. like, a big guy in a white suit, and, yeah. uh, you yeah. got a guy with a fishbowl for a head. <laughs> yeah, the race of guys with fishbowls for heads. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Dude, that would be great. But in truth, it's really just, you know, there's there's a flying one and a dog one and a cat one and a lizard one. Yeah. And, and those are the military races, and they were cool, and they're very powerful fighters, and they are still around in the fifth cycle just being mercenaries, but... Uh, but They bred too slow to be of use for war. Right. They take some 18 years to get to adulthood, which is too long. That's horseshit. Which is why they developed the subhumanoid races, and here's where we get to all of your... Uh, standard fantasy monster. Orcs and goblins. Yeah, and hobgoblins and so on. Uh, uh, rat guys. Yeah, those subhuman scum. Right, yeah. There's rat guys, and then there's my favorite, which is big hulking guys with flies for heads. <laughs> like they have a fly head instead of a human head. No, I like that it's flies for heads. Oh, they have a whole There's fly. a big swarm of flies. How about just one tiny fly on the end of a neck? Like a whole body fly on the end of a neck. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Yeah, that seems like a like an earthworm gym villain. Yeah. Sure, but no, it's it's they they have big gross fly heads. Yep, and they're otherwise they're just the big hulking muscle of the game. So all these races came into existence during the Third Age, and there was a whole bunch of big magic wars, and it was terrible, and it sucked. And finally, regular humans were like, you know, what sucks? Mages. Fuck them. There are way more of us than there are mages, and so they murdered all of them and outlawed magic. That's the fourth cycle. Yeah, during the fourth cycle, all of a sudden there was a great balance. And all the classes had interesting powers. <laughs> uh, Paragon yeah. paths they could in follow. The, in the fourth cycle, everyone got real tired of wizard supremacy. Yeah, and, and did away with it entirely. Yeah. Replaced it with basically a, a much more streamlined world where, you know, even if you wanted to play a ranger, you weren't intentionally gimping yourself. It was a different time. Yeah. And then we, then we got to the fifth cycle... And it brought wizards back yeah, to the w- forefront. Wizards came back in a big way during the fifth cycle. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> oh my god, the saddest part about that is that is entirely accurate. <laughs> you didn't you didn't have that beforehand? <laughs> no, I've had that in my pocket for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's great. <laughs> yeah, because because we're playing during the fifth age when wizards are finally allowed to come back and be on the top again. Yeah. So the fifth cycle, uh, wizards came back because one kingdom was like, actually, you know, wizards are super useful. The only reason wizards were terrible in the third cycle is because they were worshipping the god of evil to get more power. So he's like, alright, we still outlaw the worship of the god of evil, which, why wasn't that outlawed to begin with? Whatever. Uh, but they're like, okay, so we got wizards, we got, like, wizard colleges, we are studying them, and then every time some other kingdom was like, hey, you have wizards, that's bullshit, we're gonna take you over, they would beat the shit out of them. Because they had wizards, yeah. so they were like, no, fuck you, we win, also we took your territory. Right. So essentially they just sat there doing what I do when I play Civ, so I'll just turtle up and then someone will attack me and I'll use that aggression as an excuse to take over all of their territory, and I'll just keep doing that so no one gets angry at me. <laughs> See, what I do when I play Civ is turn it off and play a fighting game instead. Oh, you suck. Civ is amazing. I'm sure it is. But I really like my Twitch games, bro. Aw. Ah, oh, Twitch games. Twitch, oh. yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, the, during this fourth cycle period was supposedly a dark time where there were like a lot of, there were no wizards and it was considered the dark ages and everyone was dying of scurvy and there was poop in the river. Got it. Okay, moving on. During the fifth cycle, some wise kings took over and were like, all right, it's okay for there to be wizards again, but we're going to rigorously control those wizards with special wizard laws. And we're going to spend most of our time digging up the relics of the third age because those are cool. 
Yeah. So that's what the game is for the most part. It's it's you play as is uh well you can play as whatever because the, the whole game, despite having a really cool premise of playing as wizard archaeologists uncovering the re- the remains of ancient wizards, it, it's a standard fantasy heartbreaker where you can play as like shit farmer Joe the human. Yay! And uh, it's it's unfortunate because. The the entire idea of you're in an age where you're digging up these ancient artifacts and you're a ra- in a race against other civilizations who also want to get these artifacts. And most of the people are going to be like government contracts. So you're, you've got this weird aspect between like being a freelance treasure hunter and being like a government archaeologist. Yeah, you're basically and... privateers. It's a really neat idea. Yeah. Pri- privateer magic archaeologists is a great idea. Yeah. But then it decides to go full fantasy. Oh, yeah. And it does that by going like, okay, so you have to roll for what your parents did for a living, and then you also do that. Yeah, you so... will die of the scurvy at 55, or you will die if you touch a red plant. Yeah, so let's let's take that and get into how you actually make a character in this. Yeah, let's do that. Let's get uh, into how you make a character in this. So hey. they they tell you right up front that uh, they only use D8, D10, and D12. The most obtuse set of dice. Yeah, they're like, okay, how do we differentiate ourselves from D&D? Alright, what does D&D mostly use? D20 and D6? Great. No, we won't use that at all. Except it then also says, some of the weapons use a D4 or a D6... Just divide a D8 or a D12 in half. Yeah. You know. We're assuming you don't have any D6s, so what you should do instead is roll a D12, the most common of the dice, <laughs> and cut that result in half. Obviously. Don't forget to round up. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately the game does use basically everything except for a D20. and It just tells you not to because they're trying to be unique. Yeah, so it also uses D4s. I mean, I don't mind a game that does away with D4s. D4s are terrible. Yeah, meh. I mean, they're just they're just objectively the worst die. Well, they're the most dangerous die. That is true. They are the most dangerous die for your foot, but they are also, in my opinion, they're harder to roll. They're just not as as appealing looking or feeling. They don't have a good die feel. Well, to them. what you need is one of those obelisk D4s, where instead of being a pyramid, you get one that's just sort of a round that you oh, roll. Oh, those are the worst. Those ones that are basically like uh, little gems. Yeah, the ones that look like gems, or the ones that look like uh, like like cylinders. Uh, the dice that just look like cylinders are the worst. They never stop rolling. You can never tell which one you have in your hand. <laughs> it just They're just unfortunate. Anyway, that this has been Dice Chat. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you get uh, your initial stats, which are strength, agility, oh, standard. That's dexterity, by the way. It's just... Then hand manipulation, which because is like... they wanted to split dex into two different things. Yep. Uh, you get endurance. You get intelligence. You get common sense as a stat. Oh, whatever. It's just wisdom. I mean, wisdom has always just been common sense anyway. You get magical ability. Your magical ability is a stat. Yeah, and it determines how much magic you can do. Uh, you get eloquence, which is sort of your charisma. And you get comeliness, which is... How hot the stat you are. The that, end. Yeah, that everyone used charisma for as well. So they split decks into two different stats. They split charisma into two different stats. Did you ever play in a campaign where your DM would routinely ask what your charisma was to determine whether or not shopkeepers would lust after you? No. Oh, that is the worst. (laughs) I I also played in one where we had to roll a comeliness stat. Oh, that's terrible. Right? Yeah, see, for my games, it was always, what is your charisma? That will maybe depend on what kind of a price you'll get, if it'll give you a discount if you can talk your way down. Which is so annoying. Like, oh, roll 3d6, and if you get a high number, you're going to get a lot of boob jokes for the rest of the game, and you'll get 10% off at inns. Hooray! So, right, so there's nine stats. Now, those nine stats are going to be a point-by distribution. However, you will roll to see how many points you get. Hey, that's the second game in a row with that nonsense. Yep, this and Ravenstar, both games where it's a point-by system where you can randomly generate the points you have so you know right off the bat that you are worse than the guy next to you. Oh, yeah, it's not even pretending. It's not like when you roll 3d6 down the line and you kind of have to add all those numbers up and get the average. Oh, yeah, because unless someone's like, oh, what do you know, I got three 18s, then you're like, oh, you bastard. But if someone's like, oh, I got like a 16, but one of these is a 9, and I got an 11, they're like, oh, that sounds average, I guess, whatever. Yeah, whereas in this one, you're going to be like, I got 200 points to spend, and the other guy's like, I got 151. Oh, well, you're 49 points better than me. Sad. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember the exact spread. I think 200 is impossible. Yeah, well, no, it goes 118 
to 162 is the number of stats stat points you can get. And then they try to fix it by making it so that if you roll low on the number of points you spend, you can you can have higher starting stats. Yeah, you- there is no maximum to your stat values, but there is a maximum for what your starting character can have. So if you rolled low, you can start with something that is a 24. That's mm-hmm. the highest you can get. If you rolled higher, you can get a 23, uh, and then three more that can be 20. If you got really super high, then you get a 23 and two more of 20. It's actually kind of funny because they say that there's no maximum stat value when you're looking at the stats, but then at two further points throughout the game, they point out what the maximum stat value is. Because, first of all, you're, you can only have a maximum when you're starting of like a 24 if you have a low roll on your stat points. But then second, you can only multiply that by, you have to multiply that by 1.5, and that's how much that character's actual maximum stat value is. So, for example, if you have a 20 starting out, you multiply that by 1.5, and then mark a 30 on your sheet for what will inevitably be your absolute maximum value for that stat. And then third, it says 30. 30 is as high as stats go, unless you're some kind of monster animal. Yeah, which is weird that they start off by saying, there is no maximum for stats, except for this maximum. Also a hard maximum. Yeah. So, I don't know why they bothered putting that in. It's got the feeling of a book that was written without stopping. We've seen those before. You know, the kind of book where like they'll mention a rule going, this rule will come up later. Yeah, this will definitely come up later. And then it just doesn't. Oh yeah, well, it, it sort of feels like they went, oh well, we don't need to have a maximum on stats, let's just say there's no maximum. And then later on someone was like, no, we should probably say that your maximum is like 1.5 so no one goes crazy on something. And then later on someone went, now oh, let's just make it 30. And they put those in at different parts in the books without realizing that they had said something earlier. Yeah, really weird. So yeah. So uh, once, you, once you've got your stats spread and you put uh, whatever uh, you want into your nine stats... And each point is just a point. There's no scaling cost for anything. Uh-huh. Uh, then you get to determine your race. Oh, which gosh. Is this is the, one of the best parts. It's so good. Yeah. So, you've got a whole bunch of dumb things you can be. You can be a human, or you can be an elf, or a dwarf, or a werelinga. A werelinga, which, again, werelinga sounds like a sex thing. Oh, yeah. It's like, like the, the old term. werelinga. Yeah, except it's not like you give her the old werelinga. It's more like... A court reporter describes it like, at this point, she received Werlinga against her will. <laughs> uh, and a Glenna. So those are the races you can choose to be. Uh, but you can't just choose to be something that isn't a human. My goodness, no. No, that would be unfair bullshit. No, no. So if I want to be a dwarf, say, let's say I got a hankering for a dwarf. Come on. Then, uh, I got to roll to see if I can be a dwarf. Mm-hmm. So, each race has its roll stat for what you need to roll on a d10 to see if you can be that. So when you first start, you say, alright, I want to be a dwarf, okay? Now, in order to be a dwarf, I have two chances to roll a 1 through 3 on a d10. So if I roll a 2 at some point in my two rolls, then great, I get to be a dwarf, I put down all the stat changes that they have, and from then on I have all the little dwarfiness that I want. You have to choose between a New York or a Chicago dwarf, though, I believe. Well, there's no choice. It's a New York dwarf. Oh, forget about it. What am I, eh? (laughs) You you want a lasagna? (laughs) Your pizza is basically soup. (laughs) So, now, what happens if I don't roll a one through three on those two rolls? Well, I believe you're stuck being a crappy, smelly old human. Aw, I'm a human. But, you know, at least humans always get some sort of bonus. And in this game, they do. But only if you choose to be one from the start. Yeah. If you are forced to be one because this game is dumb and makes you be a human instead of the cool, awesome thing you wanted to be, then fuck you, you also don't get the bonus for being human. What is the odds on being a Glynna? Why, it's 1 in 10. You have to roll a 1... On a D10 in order to be a flying human. But you get two tries. Oh boy, two tries to roll a one on a D10. Otherwise, you're stuck being a regular human. Except not even a regular human. A human without stat bonuses. Yeah, and even then, even if you're like, Alright, well, because I don't want to gamble and I assume I'm just going to be a shitty human anyway, I'll pick to be a human at the start so I get a bonus. That bonus is, roll a D10. Whatever you rolled, one through nine... You add one to that stat. If you rolled a 10, now you get to roll twice. 
And if you roll another 10, just ignore it and get 1 through 9, so you get 2 points. That's it. Uh, being human can give you 1, possibly 2 extra stat points. That's it. To a random stat. Yeah. And after you, you, uh, selected your other stats. Oh yeah, so you, you put down what all your stats are, and then being a human randomly gives you a plus 1 in something. Yep. Yay. Hooray! Uh, <laughs> and it's not even like, being one of the non-human races are, oh, it's just better than being human? Like, if you're an elf, you're minus two to your strength, you're minus one to your endurance, minus one to eloquence for some reason. I guess elves weird, aren't good huh? at talking to people. No, based on the art in this book, elves don't do anything but wear bikinis made out of leather rags. Yeah, well, they got plus one to comeliness. Yeah. They're hot. But they're not too, you know. It's that kind bright. of it's that kind of leather rag that you only saw in like old old books like this one with terrible line art or like Conan novels, like the women hanging out in the background of of brothels. That kind of bikini made uh, made out of two napkins made of rotted leather. Yeah, that look, a lot of that, a lot of obvious nipple hanging too. Yeah, that that torn, obvious piece of cloth that's like oh, and it. It looks like it got ripped off me, but formed perfectly into a bikini. Okay, yeah. great. A lot of that. And not, and then not one male dwarf, or I'm sorry, no male elf, and no female dwarf. Yeah. In the book. Cause this isn't- Cause obviously. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The, the, the art in this book, by the way, is spectacular. Well, the art is just straight up old D&D. Like, yeah. first edition D&D. Yeah, it's just, it's all line art, there's no shading of any kind. Oh yeah. It's uh, it, it looks a lot like someone's notebook, which I know we use as a common comparison style of art, so we might as well just say it's notebook-style art. Yeah. Uh, so, in addition to your stat changes, which generally balance out to, like, your total bonus will equal your total negatives in your stats, so whatever, for being a non-human, you also get a plus five to one of the skills. Right. So, if you're a dwarf, you get plus five engineering. Mm -hmm. If you're an elf, you get plus five farming. Which, yes, farming is a skill. And wait for it. It's also a career. Elves are real good at it. Yeah. You know, that that standard elf idea of them being farmers. Well, I don't mind if they want to change their game around a little about what elves do. But, you know, they're an adventuring race. Like, if your character's really good at farming, who gives a shit? Yeah, great. So, you get all of that, and then, of course, uh, any of the stats you have will give you a modifier, depending on how high or low they are, because that's what stats do. Yeah, and this is what stats do in this game, by the way. They don't give you a bonus to your skills. This is the most amazing thing about this game. All stats do, in terms of skills, is inform how expensive it is for you to purchase them with the XP system in the game. Yeah, you get, uh, every skill has a primary and a secondary stat that goes along with it. That's correct. So, for example, something like swinging a sword around will use strength, or, or a hand manipulation as its primary and strength as its secondary. And, uh, that inform, by c- uh, comparing your two stat values in those two stats against an arbitrary huge chart, you will see how much it costs you to purchase each rank of the skill. And there are a maximum of eight ranks available for purchase in every skill in the game, of which there are about 120. Yeah. Uh, so after you get your stats, you also determine your uh, other stats that aren't rolled or bought for, which are magic resistance, because in this, you everyone has a magic resist ability. Right, and it is also a skill you can purchase to get better at it. Yeah. Uh, you get your movement rate for how fast you go. Uh-huh. You get your encumbrance value for how much you can carry, because it, it, everyone loves encumbrance. Oh, gosh. And it's it's shockingly restrictive in this game as well. It's like, oh, you can't carry more than, like, 80 pounds of stuff, or you're done. And you have to go back to town. That's that's reasonable, but you can play as big, strong dudes. Yep. I, I hate when they're like, oh, yeah, it's super realistic, and everyone's a... When you know it, they're all, they all, they're all built like game designers. <laughs> everyone in the world is sort of pasty and... Hasn't really gone outside recently. Have you ever tried to pick up something that weighs like 10 pounds? God, why would you even do that? Yeah, you know, the average human's primary exercise comes from throwing a frisbee around for four minutes during a 4th of July party. <laughs> uh, and then fatigue points are your last one that you also get. Which is just, you know, how I'm... how long it takes for you to get tired. Yeah, this game actually tracks how quickly you get tired. Now, uh... at that point, you have to choose two types of skill... Uh, arching kind of career tracks. The first one is one that you choose for yourself, 
And then after you choose the one that you want for yourself, you roll for the one that your parents had growing up. So this will determine what you can buy with skills and how much it costs. Yes. So let's say I start out and I go, okay, what's my chosen profession? What do I want to be in this game? And you decide, I want to, I want to be a farmer because that's an option. Yeah. Out of your ten different professions, along there with mage and armsman, thief, yeah. is laborer, farmer, artisan, merchant, and seaman. Yeah, those are all things you can choose to be. They give you a set of skills that you can choose from. Some skills exist outside the skill system, like simple weapon ability, which means that even if you're a farmer, you can at least kind of swing a pitchfork around. But for the most part, if you want to be able to use good swords in this game, you have to have armsmen as one of your careers. Yeah, and then you roll to see... So that gives you a package of skills that you are good at purchasing. Yeah, good at purchasing, by the way, not good at. Yeah, that's just how cheap it is for you to get certain skills. Yeah. Then you roll randomly for your family profession, and whatever your family profession is will essentially give you that exact same uh, skill discount as if it was your chosen. Right, so you have two different sets of skills to choose from. Unless you roll, your family profession is the same as your chosen personal profession. In which case, you get nothing to make up for that. You just, you're a double farmer. Yep, it's, oh, well, I'm, I'm a farmer and my family were farmers before me. What do you know? I know about farming. <laughs> Should I be out doing magical excavations? No, I should be farming. Why is this a goddamned option? I don't know. It's because these old games get obsessed with the verisimilitudes. Ugh. So, yeah. If you're a mage, like you probably should be, you then also determine uh, how many spell points you get, which is determined from your magic ability. Right. You want to be a mage if you have a good magic ability. Yeah. If you put a lot of points into magic ability, which you probably should, because you should probably be a mage. Yeah. Then you get a lot of points, and then you determine what your magic college is. Because... Uh, there are 16 or something. There are a crapload of them, and your college is... It's easy to get uh, skills, because just like in Ravenstar, again, like last week's game... Magic's just a skill. Magic is a skill that you buy up, and uh, so anything in your college is easiest to buy. There are related colleges, which are easier to buy than other ones... And then there is an opposed college, which you cannot get things from. Yeah. And there are two types of colleges. One of them is scholarly, and the other is physical. Scholarly is primarily ritual magic, and it's, you know, like alchemy and, and uh, divination and, and stuff like that. That's, that's The non-combat stuff. Yeah, and then, and then physical has to do with, like, elements primarily. It, the physical is broken up into, like, cold, fire... Uh, nature, darkness, that sort of thing. Yeah. Or scholarly is all the ones that are like uh, abjuration, healing. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's essentially combat and non-combat magic is the split between them. I do like that this game doesn't have clerics; it just has healing wizards. Yep. No, all magic is done through wizards. Yeah. If you are a priest, no one cares. It's not even an option for profession. I know you can't even be a priest that isn't a uh, you know like a magic casting priest. There's no way to be one of any kind, which is weird, because the game has gods in it. Not many. There's, like, two. Yeah, it was way more important that they include the ability to be a blacksmith than a priest. Right. And and it does have the rules for what happens when you try to blacksmith, which is you can't really do that. Well, yeah. You can choose to be armorer as your profession, and then, great, you can get some skill points into being an armorer. Congratulations. Yeah. It's not... It's, it's essentially roll a d10... Four of these are actual things, the other six are NPCs. Right. Now, now choosing through the, uh, the, the magic colleges is a real pain because there's this huge section on how this all works. A XP table for how much it costs to purchase individual spells by rank, whether or not that spell has any kind of difference that occurs based on rank. And the rank, how many skill ranks you have in a spell, uh, will determine some things like, oh, it's range or duration is determined by rank. Sometimes. But mostly it's how quickly can you cast this in right. combat. Yeah. If it's not a ritual, so you can cast it in combat, then if you've got a low-end one that it's like, oh, it'll take like four rounds because you'll cast it, then maintain it for two rounds, and then on the fourth round it goes off. Yeah. Up to if you've got it at like level eight, then it just happens that round. Yes. Uh, for all, all other skills, this is one of the weirder things about this game. For every skill in the game, you have a 40% chance base to accomplish something. Anything. You just have a 40% chance. 
And then skills, which you have ranks in, and ranks can progress up to eight ranks. Each rank is good for 5%. Yeah. Uh, so it's... Oh, wait, it's 50%. You can get up to 90%. In combat, it drops down to 40%. Thank you, that's correct, yeah. yeah. So you can never get better than 90% at anything. And 80% in combat. Right, so combat is a, a total comedy of goofball errors in this game. And the... Okay, so combat in this that isn't magic is super weird. Yeah, it's it's weird, and it's got a really obvious favorite vibe in it. Yeah, so one of the things that this game has that shows up in a bunch of dumb games like this is hit locations. Oh, gosh, yeah. there's uh, The average character has ten hit locations. Twelve if you're a Glinna. Yeah, if you're a, you have wings. You're, if you're hexapedal, <laughs> as they put it. Your, your character is a hexapod because he has wings and arms. Oh, my. I guess uh. it, uh, centaurs are also hexapedal, I guess. I, I don't know. It's not like they're in the book. Nope. But, but they, they wanted that term in there because they wanted to show off that they knew that quadruped and hexapod are... Except they they also use the term hexapedal for an octopus. Well, okay, first of all, an octopus is octopedal. Yeah. Se- second of all, humans aren't quadrupedal or hexapedal. They're bipedal. Ped, ped means foot. A glenna doesn't have six feet. It yep. has two feet. It's so good. Ah. I love that they, they were so proud, and yet they fucked up as bad as you could. Right. Well, actually, I'm fucking up right now, because octopi technically have one heavily modified foot. Yeah. They're monopedal. Yes, they are. Yeah. Them, and, them and slugs and stuff are monopeds. Yeah. It, but moving on. Moving anyway. On. Yeah. Okay. So you have your hit locations. You then have your armor, which covers various areas. Oh. And then armor takes damage if you get hit there. It sure does. Your armor can get beat up in this game, and if your armor gets beaten up in an area to the point where there's no armor points left, and armor has three points in in each area. That's it. So as soon as you take three hits, like, okay, someone's hit my right arm four times. That fourth time is then going to half the amount of defense that I had for my armor. Because my armor has been so beaten up in that location that now when they hit me there, it doesn't protect me as much. Yeah. And it will continue to be crap until I get to someone that can fix it. It's a good thing we have an armorer along with us. Oh no, my farm took so much damage that it grows half the crops. (laughs) It's okay. I'll fix it with farming. So you also have one of the weirder things in combat is... So we had said that each skill rank gives you 5%. On top of, in combat, a base of 40%. Now, in the way melee works in this, is you have to divide your skill point percentages up into how much you want for offense and how much for defense. So whatever you assign to offense, you add that to 40%, and that's what you're trying to roll to hit someone. Mm -hmm. Whatever you assign to defense is a percentage you remove from someone trying to attack you. So let's say I have a total of 40%. I have eight skill ranks. I'm as good as I can be at using a sword. Well, a one-handed sword. Yeah. Then I can divide that up into say, okay, well, I'm 60% going to hit, and then I'll subtract 20% from someone trying to hit me. Great. Or I could go, I'm 80% to hit someone. I don't care if they hit me. Whatever. Two-handed weapons are different. They get an extra 3% per rank. Which means that a, uh, a, a two-handed weapon tops out with an extra 24%, or can actually get to the point where it has a 104% chance to hit. And the, but the extra 3% only goes to defense. Right. Automatically. Which, which means you actually can get 104% defense. Uh, well, no, because you can only put your defense skill ranks into that. You don't get a base 40. Oh, interesting. Oh, you're right, you're right, okay. It's which, just what you subtract right. to someone. Which means a really good two-handed weapon fighter always has at least a 24% subtraction from other people's chances to hit him. Yeah, which means a a rank 8 two-handed weapon user can go ahead and say, I'm going to have an 80% chance to hit you. And even if you went full offense on me as well, you are going to drop down to a 56% chance to hit me, even if you are as skilled as I am because you weren't using a two-handed weapon, you idiot. Yeah, two-handed weapons in this game are the best, and it's supposed to be a, because of reach. Yeah, it's, oh, well, they're longer weapons, so it's easier to defend against someone. Okay. What about shields? What do shields do? Shields just give you more defense. Great. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird favoritist choice to, to make two-handed weapons so obviously the only thing to pick. They are better than shields, and they do more damage than weapon, than regular weapons. Yep. 
So they're just better in pretty much every way. Get a polearm, get a two-handed sword, whatever. Use that, because it is amazingly better. Game has literally no rules or even mention of dual wielding. Yeah, it's... Why would you? Yeah. So, there's no way to dual wield, because if you were wielding, like, an axe and a sword, you could double your defense value bonuses. So, then we get uh, all your skills. There are skill packages per thing, where most of them come with basically four. A few, like, artisan gets... Like, six, but that's because they get things like pottery and jewelry and gem cutting. And jewelry and gem cutting are different. Yeah? Yep. Well, gem cutting isn't the same thing as gem setting. Yeah. Are you Come kidding on me? Now. Get out of here. And also, the second one includes things like silversmithing. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. And then there are a bunch of common skills, so like brawling and first aid and stealth. Which, stealth. Stealth is a common skill that anyone can get. Well, Just it's, great. It's never going to be a good idea, seeing so say your skill max is going to top out at 80%. Yeah. Or 90%. You don't want that. That's that's too dangerous to bother with. Just run in and kill people with two-handed swords. Or, get the, get your skill spells up. Oh, we didn't even talk about the spell. We talked about the colleges, but spells in this game. Oh my god, spells in this game. Okay, so spells in this game are rank 1 to 8, because you can only get up to 8 in basically everything. Every spell in this game is rank 1 to 8. There aren't really levels, per se, of... of uh, I mean, there are. Like, yeah. there's level one spell, like, let's, like, fire, for example, has a level one spell called start fire. Yeah, and start fire lets you start a fire with easily combustible materials. Yes, and it doesn't list a range, and it doesn't list a duration, and it does, well, it says duration is becomes natural, because it, you know, once you start yeah, a fire, you start there's, a fire. there's a fire there, but it doesn't list a range so that that doesn't go up by rank. All it does is it lights easily combustible materials on fire. It's basically the, you have a match, the spell. Yep. Uh, so, great. But now you can still you might... purchase eight friggin' ranks in well, it. Well, the thing is, you look, you'd look at that and go, alright, well fine, there's a speed bump, before I can do, like, fireball, I've gotta get start fire, whatever, fine. However, anytime you wanna purchase a rank in a higher level spell, so let's say I've got a level four spell of fireball. Sure. I wanna get to, you know, rank eight in that, because, hey, that's awesome, that's a bread and butter, kill someone spell. Mm-hmm. Well, before you can get to rank anything in a higher level spell, you have to have the same rank in every lower level spell. Right. So, for example, if you want the level two fire spell, which I'm sure is like fire bolt, fire bolt, then you want if you want that one at rank four, you need to also have start fire at rank four. And rank four of start fire does dick. Does nothing. It doesn't do a damn thing. It doesn't have an increased duration because it doesn't have a duration. It doesn't have an increased cast range because it doesn't have a cast range. You just need to spend the XP on it, even though it doesn't fucking do anything. Yeah. And the other interesting thing for me is, so the the skills that are natural for the mage include archaeology, magic resisting, magic training, which is how much you have to have that skill up in order to get your points. spell points. Yeah, your spell points. And then all of your spells. So that means... In a game that is based around finding artifacts, the mage has archaeology as a skill that they are good at. Yep. They have the only person who is good at resisting magic, which means even if you're like, I'm a fighter guy. No, you're not good at resisting magic. Only other mages are. It means if you're a mage, most of the time, it's not worth it for someone else to get magic resist as a skill, mm-hmm. which means you'll just be able to fucking murder them. Right. I mean, granted, they could roll that their parents were mages. They could be like, well, I'm an armsman, but my parents were mages. Yeah. So I have access to the magic resist skill. Yeah, there's a 1 in 10 chance that your parents were mages. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's kind of weird. Because that, that seems like there's way more mages than there were. You'd think they would be, like, skewed towards my parents were... I don't know, shit farmers, and I decided to go out into the world. No, 10% of the people in the world are mages. There's but no, a- you can go, well, my parents were awesome mage archaeologists. Yeah. I'm a farmer, though, because <laughs> I don't want to follow in their footsteps. Yeah, they had a great, interesting life, but what I'd like to do instead is labor. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so it just means unless you either were a mage picked out, or your parents were mages, you lucked into rolling that as a d10 then wizards get to just stomp all over you, except wizards do nothing else. Like, they don't have skills in anything that isn't casting spells, and and because you have to put up skill ranks in all your lower-level spells, to get higher ranks in your higher-level spells, 
all of their skill points are going into spells. Yeah, no, wizards are so specific in this game. If you're a fire wizard, all you can afford is your fire spells. You don't have anything else. Oh yeah, I mean, it talks about like, oh man, if you want to get whatever, it's going to cost you double the points. You're like, why would I ever do that? Oh yeah, some of the, like the, uh, if you want a spell or a weapon rank that you don't have the weapon access in, you can purchase it. It costs five times the, the standard rank cost. Yeah, it's insane. So, yeah. You go through, and then there are a crap load of spells, of course, because well, there are... Well, 16 colleges. they got a lot to cover. Crap load of colleges. Each college has uh, at least eight spells in them. Some of the spells are shared between two things. So Almost like, all of them, actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, two different colleges will have, like, start fire as a thing. Two yeah. different colleges will have some wind spell, because you'll have, like, a storm school and an air school, and right. they'll share that. Yeah, absolutely. And then they all they all culminate in a in a master spell at rank seven, and then a spell called master spell at rank eight. Yeah, so you'll get master of whatever college. So you're like, okay, I am master of alchemy or yeah. master of fire. And what that lets you do is it makes all of your spells cheaper mm-hmm. and makes all of them cast like super fast. And as soon as you get the master rank in something, then you can pick something else to start going up in. Yep. And if you get a master rank in two different colleges that are opposed, so let's say, uh, you know, one in the physical and one in the scholarly, and I'm a master in both of them, then all of a sudden, I no longer have any opposed colleges, I'm a master of wizardry, I can put spell points into any goddamn thing I want. Yep, yep. So it's very difficult, but you can eventually become like an ultra-god wizard in this game. Yeah, most of the spells, though, don't do anything particularly useful until about level 5. Yeah, I know. The, the spells below level 5 often just do nothing. Like, start a fire where anyone could start a fire. Oh, or, yeah, you get things like, okay, I got night walk. I can walk at night. Or dig hole. I can dig a hole. Or mix, which lets you mix the contents of a bucket thoroughly. And then eventually you get up to shit where it's like, alright, I have group invisibility. Okay, yeah. great. The uh, the level 7 spells are hilarious, because almost all of them are just kill a varying amount of things in a varying way, and some of them are so much better than others. Like, the frost one is like, oh, you can do 3d10 frost damage to a target as long as he stays in an area, and then the the one from disease or, or, or destruction or whatever is plague. You can kill everyone in a city. Yay! Or creeping doom, which is the darkness one, which summons a, a cloud, which kills anything in the hex it's in, and can be moved from hex to hex, and lasts for a long time. Yep. So you get a bunch of crazy shenanigans, uh, and wizards end up being way more interesting. Yeah, they even really though do. you only do magic, you have nothing else you can do. Yeah, but but magic is good enough. It's fun. So really, the game that's hidden in this game, the game that this game should have been, is let's play cool wizard archaeologists. Oh yeah, I mean you've got these different colleges, so you have the idea that every type of magic school is its own literal college as well, in that, like, oh yeah, I studied nature magic at Nature University. I went and had Professor Wizard McNature, and he taught me all about plants and bullshit. Yep, and then I'm gonna go delve a dungeon with these guys from Yale that I don't care for. Yeah, that'd be great, because if you're, like, if I'm doing nature and my opposing school is, like, destruction... Then if you have a destruction wizard there, it sets up a weird dynamic of like, oh, I once tried to steal your mascot. Yeah, yeah, totally. This game should totally be intercollegiate archaeology wizard fights. That's and that's what the game should have been. It sounds so cool. Yeah. Like, you get wizard archaeologists trying to find wizard stuff. They're all wizards. Maybe there's a few NPCs that are like, we're here to lug things for you because we're laborers. And you know what we do? Labor in the background while real people are doing things. Right. This game wants makes you want to play a cool, fun wizard game. Yeah, but the you, whole but you can't. Yeah, the entire background when they're talking about all the cycles, everything is focused on magic. We didn't have civilization until magic. Yeah, magic is the central focus of everything. And then they're like, "Yeah, but if you want, you could just be a guy who makes jewelry." That sounds like a dude who would take the king's request to find ancient artifacts. That was such a thing in the games that spun off from the first two editions of D anD. d They were like, "Well." The problem with these editions of D&D is that people can play as stuff that... Or can't play as stuff that isn't fighters. Like, what if you really wanted to play a merchant? What if you wanted to have that story of a cool merchant as he goes around the world and tries to find good prices for his silk? Oh, yeah, well, I think the big thing was, Oh, well, I mean, come on, there's there's no class for real people? 
No one was ever in history just a fighter or whatever. We should have real people in here. Right. And then and then you put your real people in the game and they're immediately eaten by a dragon, just like in the real world. Yep. It's it's dumb. Anyway, uh okay, a few more things to talk about. We got over how the dumb combat system kind of works, but not kind really. Of. Uh, again, the problem with combat is in this game you really, really want to go second. If you go first, then you use your offense, and then you don't have any defense left, and someone hits you really well, hard. Yeah, if you if you're the first one to go, then you have to decide what your offense defense split currently is. Mm-hmm. So you have to go like, all right, did I want to go defense? Did I want to go offense? Whatever. And if you go full offense and swing and miss, then the other guy's like, oh great, I can go full offense. You have no defense. I'll try. I'll probably beat the crap out of you. Right. So that's a problem. Uh, and then there's a monster section in the back. Yep, and we get a bunch of monsters, and I'll say that was interesting at least because it's not just the monster manual reprinted with different stats. Yeah, there's a uh, lot of weird monsters and a lot of retakes of old monsters. The Chimera in this game is a snake. Yeah, it's instead like, of being your average D&D Chimera, it's just like a snake. A snake with a goat head and a lion head, and then its butt is another snake head. But its body is a snake. Yeah, it's a full snake instead of the... Lion with the weird, dragon like, wings. Yeah, and... it's... The old Chimera was lion body with the three heads and, like, a bunch of shenanigans. It's a this bunch of... just a snake with yeah. two other heads. The Chimera was like, okay, it's it's three heads, lion, goat, and snake. Lion body, uh, camel legs, elephant tail, dragon wings. Uh, I think it's got a Republican sensibility. <laughs> it's, uh, socially liberal, fiscally conservative. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. <laughs> I think it's socially conservative, fiscally liberal. But <laughs> have money. <laughs> Take my money. Don't spend it on abortions. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, that was a pretty interesting section. And then there's the setting. What's going on in the current world? Uh, the Which game... the the base premise is the king of Dolphinia. Isn't he a viceroy? Well, whatever. It's the leader of Dolphinia has okay. sent out a thing that's like. Hey, we want to ex- excavate these old ruins. Please come to our kingdom and join our excavation squad. It's a vice royality. Yeah. The vo- vice royality show. <laughs> Damn it. That's one of the funny things to me in this book is that all of the coinage and stuff is, is mired in, in, uh, kind of like Shakespearean England. Well, it's all shillings. And- yeah. And shillings to the guinea, that kind of thing. And then, yeah, you, you, the, uh, you live in the land of Dolphinia. Under the the uh, tutelage of Viceroy Jeffrey or something like that. <laughs> Thanks, Viceroy Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Viceroy means assistant king, I think. Yay. Why not? But uh, yeah, it's all municipalities. It means and... the assistant to Roy. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm Roy Scheider's assistant. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> the... I constantly bring him stories about sharks. So yeah, there's. It even has a little letter in the back that's like, this is the standard form letter that goes out to people of. Hey, come dig up cool artifacts for us. Oh, yeah. There's a section in the back for if you want to have a charter to uh, dig up cool archaeology stuff. Because you could just be an illegal archaeologist, which at that point is just a grave robber. Yeah. So, I don't know. The game's kind of a a classic heartbreaker. Oh, yeah. It's... If it came out last year, instead of 20 years ago or whatever, if it came out last year, it would have been heralded. Oh, if this came out last year... It also probably would have been called Wizard Archaeologists, and I would have heralded it. Yeah, or it would be exactly the same as it is, and it would have been heralded as one of those old-school dungeon crawl games that that, cert- that a certain class of gamers are, like, desperately hungry for. Oh, a game where you could die during character creation? A game with a fumble result of you kill yourself? Oh, this is for me. Oh, yeah. That fumble chart, so good. The fumble chart's like, your weapon does one damage, your weapon does two damage, uh, you accidentally hit a friend, you accidentally crit a friend. You kill yourself. <laughs> I like the idea that your fumble doesn't isn't what kills you. Oh yeah, it's yeah. just you kill yourself in shame. Yeah, like you fumble, you don't hit your guy with your weapon, and so you pull out a gun and shoot yourself as a result. Yeah, that's what happens. I don't, I don't know why they put you kill yourself on there in the first place. That's not really a fumble result. I mean, it's not like, I mean, what the hell were you using as a weapon? A complicated series of pulleys and levers? <laughs> Did you accidentally drop a piano on yourself? Are you Wiley Coyote? Maybe. That's what it looks like. You can't really kill yourself by swinging a sword at someone else. No. This is like, what improbable type of weird shenanigans just went on that I took a sword, I swung it at a guy, and it resulted in me chopping my own head off. Oh yeah, he held up a trampoline. 
Oh, that that's what it is. Yeah, it I, I was back. I was yeah. chasing after him, and he ran in through a picture of a hole yeah. that I had painted, and then I ran into the side of a wall. Yeah, that's exactly it. Exactly. Uh, I I tried to push a rock off a cliff, and instead the cliff separated uh, directly behind me, and then it fell out from under me. It took me nearly a minute to realize that the rock I was trying to push on the guy was gone, and I was just standing in midair. At which point, I held up a tiny sign that said "I kill myself" and fell. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, okay, John, what was your favorite thing about Fifth Cycle? Uh, best thing in Fifth Cycle to me, probably the monster manual in the back. Uh, it had a bunch of weird monsters you don't normally see. I mean, it, oddly enough, it had two different octopuses. It had a, a kraken and a giant squid as two different things. Yeah, it had a leviathan, which was a kilometers long whale that sometimes has a city on its back. Yeah, no, it had some interesting stuff in there. Uh... I mean, in addition to your standard orc and minotaur, you're like... That minotaur's weird weird in there, right? Because it's like everything else is part of that whole military race, subhuman race thing, and then it's like, also, there's minotaurs. Okay. Where do they come from? Oh, they've always been there. Always. Don't even worry about it. They live in caves with mazes in them. Of course they do. And they have curly mullets, (laughs) according to the art. Yeah. So, the... The actual monster section is interesting. It gives you enough options of stuff and doesn't bother to go into like, yes, and it knows these spells or it has these skills. It's just, no, here's some... Actually, that's my least favorite part about the monster section is that a lot of the monsters are like, what's this? It's a snowman. What does it do? It hits you. It punches you. Does it have spells or special snow abilities? No. No, it's a snowman. Yeah, it, it hits you for snow. And all the monsters are like that, unless it mentions that they can cast some spells. And when it does that, it just says like, these guys sometimes know some level 6 spells. Yeah, they might. Yeah. Which, given the rules, also means they know every level 5 through 1 spell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, cer- they certainly do. And it gives them what it calls an HP line, because, again, you have to separate all the HP out by hit locations for the monsters. Yeah, you have to roll where you randomly hit, and then each section will take damage individually, so you can be like, oh, I totally ruined that guy's arm. Yeah. Now he can't use it. Yeah, so that's the thing. Uh, but the monsters were interesting, yeah. they they had enough variety, and it was not done terribly. I like that whole magical subdivision and creation of new metahuman races. I thought that was a clever way to do what all these old fantasy games always do, which is like, oh, there's elves and stuff. So was that your favorite part of the book, then? No, uh, I would say every once in a while this book gets unusually permissive for an old game like this, and I liked it whenever it had a surprisingly modern idea. Oh, like when it was like, oh, there's no such thing as max stats. You can just build your character stats up to whatever you want. I mean, granted, they undermined it later, but every once in a while, it had these little moments of like, yeah, just let the players pick their class. It doesn't matter. Huh. So that sort of thing was my favorite, whenever it was permissive. I mean, grant, it, again, it undermined itself at every turn. Oh, yeah. Every time it was like, hey, man, you can be whatever you want, except you can't. Yeah. As long as you want farmer. Yeah, as uh, long as you want that, you can be anything you want. What would you say is your least favorite thing about this game? Uh, it's definitely got to be the profession system. Yeah. That career, the, those ten careers where three are useful and seven are garbage. Yeah. It's, it is infuriating to me that they even need to split out artisan and armorer into two different things. Yeah. It's, I'm a guy who works with jewels and I'm a guy who works with metal. I'm like, you're a guy who makes things. Like... Why did you even need to split that up? It's not like... It's to fit it onto a D10. I know, but it's not like they split Thief up into Assassin and Thief. It's, no, if you're a thief, you also have Assassination as an ability. Yeah. Great. That section is infuriating. I'm not arguing with you. You were absolutely right. No, it's it pisses me off so much because not only is 70% of the things you can roll NPCs, but even within that... They split up ones that should have just been one thing. Right. Laborer and farmer make them one thing. Who cares? Yeah, just make farming a type of labor. Yeah, great. It's, I know how to do manual labor, which includes farming. Right. Ugh. Yeah, okay. so that that is definitely my least favorite. Your least favorite. Uh, having to roll to see if you can be the race you'd like to be. Yeah, that was my number two. Yeah, that's that's so dumb. Okay, your character, which you're ostensibly going to play for quite a long campaign, given that this book has a bunch of advice on how to run campaigns and a bunch of stuff about how to hand out XP to players based on if they're being good that week, all that stuff you expect from an old role-playing game, uh, it it also has a role you make once at the beginning of your career to see if you're lucky enough to play the elf you were hoping to play or not. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you showed up to a game and you are like, oh, I've got this great idea, I'm going to be a Glinna, he's, like, got this personality... He's also a sky farmer. 
and this is what he does, it's awesome, and then you roll and you didn't get that 1 in 10, and you're like, oh, I guess I'm not that. Yeah. I guess I don't get to play the character I wanted. Right, that's that's infuriating, it's weird design, even old D&D didn't bother with that. No. Almost no game I can think of was like, yeah, you don't get to be the thing you want to be. A lot of games have pure random stats, like roll this and it'll tell you what race you are, you know, but it's never like, choose a race, then check to see if you make it. Yeah. That, that's mean, as yeah. opposed to, you know, everyone rolls a random race, like... Let's say uh, the the fourth edition era version of Gamma World, where you roll your race by rolling a d20 twice, and you can end up with stuff like a swarm of tiny yetis. Yeah, that's that's okay. You're rolling randomly. You have to roll randomly, but it's a hilarious, and b everyone's doing it, and it's that kind of a game. Well, yeah, it's a it's a roll random, not a like oh I want to be this roll to see if we allow you to do that. Yeah, that's that's infuriating. So that was my least favorite. There you go. Would you play Fifth Cycle? Uh, if someone remade this game with the same setting and made it Wizard Archaeologists the game, and it had a different system, then yes. Yes. (laughs) If this was a different game entirely, then yes, I would play it. Well, that's a great answer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So would you play Fifth Cycle? Yes. If by playing Fifth Cycle you meant eating a hot pizza, then yes, I would play Fifth Cycle. Obviously. In, In any other situation, I would not. Yeah. That's, I mean... If it was eating a hot pizza, the kind of pizza where they use like the, the thick pepperoni that are kind of small so they curl up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, the little, the, the cups of grease. Yeah, the little grease cup pepperoni. That in particular is what I'm hoping for here out of my fifth cycle, the pepperoni pizza. Yeah. The game? No, no, I would not play this. It's gonna go on my shelf and I'm not gonna take it out unless I need it for an art reference. Huh. So yeah, there you go. That has been fifth cycle. Thank you so much. As always, you can find us on every single type of social media. Uh, except for Snapchat, because we don't have boobs, so why would be on- we be on there? Well, it's so you can send us boobs. Ah, yeah, there you go. Boobs uh, and boners. Just get them, get them to our Snapchats. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, and we always appreciate any rates or reviews on there. Uh, get on there, let people know that we're awesome so that other people can find us. Uh, and if you don't like us, then whatever. Make it so that other people find us, recommend us to your enemies. Yeah, yeah, make those horrible reviews. The one that accuses us of cursing too often, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, that's shit damn fuck-ass wrong. <laughs> we hardly ever curse here. <laughs> I use the explicit tag, you jag off. I did it correctly. <laughs> this is a fucking family podcast. <laughs> Jeez, dudes. A goddamn fucking family restaurant. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. You can find us on Facebook, System Mastery. You can find us at System Mastery on Twitter. We are systemmastery at gmail.com. Or systemmasterypodcast.com. Those yeah. are those are the various ways you can find us. We also have several other shows. For example, if you're a Patreon subscriber at the moment, then you're going to get, today, the day this uploads, our bonus content. Yeah, we are going to be making characters in 5th Cycle. Yep, and uh, I think we're going to be making... Do we Do we want to tell people the names of yeah, our two sure. characters? Yeah, what are you making? So I am making... Uh, the main kingdom is Dolphinia, so Dolphinia. I am making Lundgren of Dolphinia. Right, and I'm going to be making Dontrell of Dolphinia. Yeah. Yeah. So those are going to be our characters. Tune in to see us struggling mightily with this horrible character creation system. And uh, we also have, coming up next week, we'll have an afterthought based on this podcast. And in addition to... Maybe staying on a topic for, like, a good ten minutes. We also answer a bunch of listener questions, so send us questions. Doesn't need to be about RPGs. Hell, don't make it about RPGs. Send us a question about our favorite childhood camping experience. Send us a question about what color we would like to have our tombstone be. I am a big fan of overextended would-you-rather scenarios, so that's one I always want to see from people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we've also started doing Movie Mastery, which is not on this feed. So we are reviewing old crappy movies. It's much like this in that we are angry at how bad they are. Uh huh. Uh, we have a couple of rules for that that we've been developing as we go along. Uh, it's better if we've not seen the movie. So if we don't review your choice, it's probably because either one or both of us have seen it. Yep. Let's see. Also, if you want to make a recommendation, send it in, because with Movie Mastery, it's all recommendations. We don't make any choices ourselves. Yeah, we randomly roll to see what we will watch, and yeah. then we watch that random movie, we give you a, uh, we watch the trailer, tell you what we think we're gonna see, and then review the movie after we have watched it. There you go. That's the premise of that fine show. Yep, so you can also find that now on iTunes as well. Yeah, got on iTunes Just got today. on. Hooray! Alright, great. So uh, this has been the fifth cycle episode. No idea what we're doing next. We'll let you know on Patreon if you're one of those subscribers. 
And uh, till that time, uh, let us know how many of you have been inspired to go make Italian-American dwarves. Because, goddamn, is that a good idea. Come on! <laughs> That's a spicy battle axa! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good week. I think we're probably done talking about your dick. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, well, it's been like half an hour now. I know. We, we should probably get to the podcast at some point. We've been circling around it for a long time. Just going up and down. It's whole... like sharks, really. Just circling around. Going up and down and then back up and then back down again. The whole thing. I, I feel like the whole topic's just gotten, gotten I don't know, limp. Yeah, I think I think the, the topic has come to a head. <laughs> hey! Oh! All right, now.